Welcome to Funding the Dream, the number one podcast for the number one crowdfunding platform, Kickstarter. Now here's your host, Richard Bliss. Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. I'm Richard Bliss, your host, and welcome and thank you for joining me here on the show today. My guest today is someone who I have known for years. Uh, he's been on the show before. He uh, brings a wealth of information and knowledge when it comes to crowdfunding, all aspects of crowdfunding, and so I'm thrilled to have him on the show. But before I get to him, I just want to say thank you to my Patreon backers and for those who have been so generous in supporting this show, and thank you for the fans who have reached out engage, talk, join us on our Facebook group, which is Funding the Dream on Kickstarter Facebook group. And for all of you who have reached out and expressed to me the impact that the show has had on you as you have found it for the first time or have been here since the beginning, thank you. And I got to say, for those of you who keep telling me and emailing me that you are binge listening, that is a lot of content for you to listen to. And you get to hear my voice for a long time. The good news is I have great entertaining guests that uh, provide a little bit of distraction from just simply listening to me for hundreds of hours. I can't believe you binge listen to this, but thank you. And thank you for being fans. Let's talk to my guest. My guest is Devin Thorpe. Devin Thorpe is a uh, champion of social good. He has been known for his efforts in, um, in, I want to say social philanthropy, but I'm not even sure that's a word, but Devin, thanks for joining me on the show. It's an honor to be here. You are the world's greatest podcast host, and I am humbled by the invitation. Uh, now they know that I paid you to be here. So you got to stop it. You got to stop at this point. No, no, no. You, you, you are exceptional and I commend you for the great work that you do. I, and that's why so many people, so many of us listen to what you do. Thanks, Devin. And speaking of that, you've been, you and I have now known each other for quite a few years. We came together, uh, in Silicon Valley at a Silicon Valley crowdfunding event. Uh, you were a speaker. I think I was. I think I was the master of ceremonies at that one. Yeah. 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 You were. Um, it's phenomenal been a phenomenal job. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and now you have you have written several books. You have uh, a lot of work that you've done around social good, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about crowdfunding and the impact it has on the world around us, not just to sell products, but to actually have an impact for good. Right. That's what you do. Yeah. Yeah. That. I'm all about the social good, and I really believe that crowdfunding is a powerful tool for social good, in part because it is inherently good. Is it perfect? No, but is it inherently good? Yes. It's inherently good that friends support each other on their entrepreneurial ventures, even if they don't have an explicit social good mission. My gosh, the innovation that comes because of Kickstarter and other crowdfunding platforms is incredible. It's to be celebrated. So I just love crowdfunding, but I do view it primarily as a tool for solving big social problems because everyone that's solving a problem, whether they need investment capital, uh, you know, innovation capital for a new product uh, or to scale up a launch or whatever it is, you know, people need money to do good. And so I, I just love crowdfunding as a solution for that problem. Well, and that's interesting because you have uh, launched several conferences around that topic. You help nonprofits do crowdfunding. You have, um, tell me a little bit about uh, your uh, crowdfunding school. The good, is it goodcrowd.school? Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah, goodcrowd.school. Uh, we have all kinds of courses on for change makers, including several on crowdfunding. So we we have you know uh, some real experts on equity crowdfunding that have provided courses. Uh, I've got 
kind of my master class on nonprofit crowdfunding is on the platform. We've got uh, another course on how to get more from your network. And, you know, some of these things sound basic and some of these courses can be digested in uh, under an hour, but they can help you raise, you know, thousands of dollars more just from taking, you know, a class that takes you an hour. I mean, it really makes a difference. What kind of impact have you seen? Because you've been doing this now. Um, I know that recently you were involved in Central America. You uh, recently had the opportunity of sitting down with Bill Gates and chatting with him. You've been named one of the most influential social media people in your region. I mean, what is it that you're seeing that's allowing, um, first of all, are you seeing changes that have happened in crowdfunding that's made it easier or more difficult? And what kind of impact are you seeing some of these uh, uh, these changes or the way crowdfunding is affecting society? The biggest change I've tracked is the growth of GoFundMe. And my opinion here is controversial. I certainly don't wish to offend anyone, but I'm not a big fan of GoFundMe. Really? Its existence its existence strikes me as a um, symbol of some of the things that are wrong in our country. In what way? That's interesting. So a lot of what's on GoFundMe is people asking for help with, uh, you know, medical things that should properly be covered by medical insurance that a lot of people don't have. It's, it's just a, it's, it's just a, a, a tragedy that we don't have a better system for taking care of those people. And, and I think there are a lot of legitimate solutions to that problem, but we need to be working on it. But uh, you know, I look at so many aspects of crowdfunding that I just love, but that's the spot I, I don't. And I think there are a lot of people that don't like it for a lot of different reasons. Some people hate seeing people ask for money, period, uh, for themselves. So if you, I mean, you might be sicker than a dog, you might be on death's doorstep and, and some people are offended that you're asking for money. Uh, for your family or for your medical care or even your fr- funeral. Um, so there's some, I mean, <laughs> that makes me laugh. How could yeah, somebody never, be offended of me asking for money to cover my funeral? I'm dead, right? Yeah, Don't be offended. Yeah. yeah, but there, there are, I, you know, I actually did a survey uh, a little while back and had lots, I mean, hundreds of responses and it's clear People really don't like crowdfunding, and the sad thing is, or don't like GoFundMe. The sad thing is, some people think only of GoFundMe when they think of crowdfunding, and I think of the the incredible fun, truly fun things that come out of Kickstarter, and think, boy, if, if you don't like GoFundMe, don't don't go there, but go to Kickstarter because there's nothing sad on Kickstarter. It's all fun and Indiegogo too, all kinds of fun. And you go to like an equity crowdfunding site like WeFunder, Republic.co or uh, Start Engine or Crowdfund Main Street and you just see great entrepreneurs doing really cool things and you get a chance to invest in, oh my gosh, that is just fun. It's just fun. Um, Interesting. So, so you're, I, I think what you're saying is that the need for something like GoFundMe is the offense that we have to find ways for people to beg yeah. for money to cover things that society should have taken care of already. Yeah, yeah. That that's what bothers me most about it. There's a secondary issue there too, 
and and this is I think relevant to your to your audience. Um, people with money have an easier time crowdfunding, and I, you don't need a lot of money, but but people with no money have a really hard time, which seems like that's. That's oh, counterintuitive. No, right? no, my audience knows that. When uh, when when we this show started back in 2011, and we're approaching eight years now, uh, the ability to raise some money on Kickstarter was relatively easy. I'm going to say relatively easy. The challenge was people didn't know about Kickstarter. You had to convince them that it was okay, that it was legitimate. Yeah. But you could have an idea and put it out there and raise a couple thousand dollars. Now you have to have an investment of professional art, professional uh, playtesting, professional production. All this money has to be poured into this project before you even take it to the Kickstarter platform if you even hope to raise the necessary funds. And then it's going to be washed out by those that are so much more heavily subsidized with advertising and promotions and things like that. So yes, it's so much easier now to raise money if you have the money. Yeah, and on GoFundMe, what I see is this fundamental issue, right? So if if I am a middle-class family that suffers a tragedy that puts a hardship on me, I can GoFundMe and raise 10000 or $50,000. And I can completely eliminate the financial cost of that tragedy. But if I'm a low, low-income family, right, uh, picture a family living in an inner city thing. You know, they've got no network, no community with money. They're they're stranded almost on an island of poverty. And, and there are a lot of people in our country that are like that. Or a homeless person, even less, right? Someone like that, when they go to GoFundMe and they put up their campaigns, nothing happens. It's tumbleweeds, Right. Nothing. They're they're more desperate and more deserving in so many ways, but they don't have a network to go to that will give them money, right? And some of the people that might be willing to give them money don't have a credit card. They don't have a way to, you know, they don't have a bank account. So the only way they could give them money is to hand them a 20. So they don't have a way to manifest that success. So you know that early success is key, right? Having your friends and family show up to give you some money to create some momentum to validate to demonstrate that uh, you're real that you're legitimate that you're not a shyster Um, that's vitally important but if your family and friends have very little money and don't have bank accounts and don't have credit cards they can't go on gofundme and pledge and so there's no no social validation and strangers aren't going to give to someone with no social validation so that, that that's one of the tensions I have with with GoFundMe. Some of the people who need it the most can't raise money there. And so now it's interesting. This you know our episode isn't intended to highlight one platform over another, but you have said that crowdfunding, though setting GoFundMe aside, is something that continues to excite you because of what it can do from a social good standpoint. And so it yes, sounds absolutely. like there's a there's a bit of a tension here. Is that in one way, it fails the very people that should help it the most, but in another way, it can do oh, yeah. so much to alleviate so many big problems that we have. Yeah, so my favorite good that it does is, you know, every study, everyone who's ever looked at this question, and lots of people have, discovered that uh, African-American uh, entrepreneurs and women have almost no access to venture capital, very little access to traditional banking resources, 
and struggle mightily to raise capital from all sources. That disparity, especially for women, there's less data on the benefits for the African-American community, and we can talk a little bit about why, but primarily for women, that disparity goes away. Women have great success raising money on uh, crowdfunding and across the board, whether we're talking about equity crowdfunding or uh, you know Kickstarter, Indiegogo, they're doing very well. Now that, and so uh, that excites me. Well, that's interesting because my guests, my recent guests have been women who have been finding success with crowdfunding, uh, pursuing artists, pursuing sure. uh, music, pursuing whatever it might be, board games. Uh, uh, one of my earlier guests just uh, recently was um, Max, who is with uh, uh, something called Sound, excuse me, called Story Blaster, which is uh, a group of women who have come together to um, launch a company that helps predict, particularly women. Uh, tell their story and get it out there to raise money for crowdfunding. And they have also expressed that crowdfunding has given uh, women access to capital that traditionally they would not have been able to gain access to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it, It's really exciting. So I do love crowdfunding and I do see it as a social solution. <clears throat> and I don't begrudge the people who are successful on GoFundMe, but I, I do want to highlight that there are even more deserving people in my opinion, who are not getting any money on the platform because they lack that social validation. And uh, I, I've been looking for someone to solve that problem, and no one's done it yet. Not yet. So I, I have a question for you. Um, you recently had an opportunity of sitting down with Bill Gates. Yeah. And um, you and I are friends. Uh, I follow you on Facebook. We communicate. You were very excited about that. I can remember you kind of dangled that out to your network and like, guess who I'm going to get to talk to? Yeah. Um, what was that like, and what did you ask him, and what was the purpose of you sitting down with him? Well, it was it was wonderful. Uh, I love, okay, bragging uh, about it, and I love that the Gates Foundation reached out to me to ask me to interview him. And the reason that they did is that I have written fairly extensively over the years about polio eradication. And it's not super well known, though people that are really truly fans of Bill Gates know that that's what he has spent the most money on over the last 20 years or so. Polio has been his number one financial commitment. And it, <clears throat> he once said it was his highest priority. Um, uh, I asked him about, about that, and he, 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 he parsed his words a little more carefully, making clear that it was where he was spending the most money, but he didn't seem to confirm that it was really his highest priority. But um, that's why they wanted me to interview him. And so I got to sit down with him and the president of Rotary International. And Rotary International has been kind of the organization that has spearheaded the effort to eradicate polio and talk to them about polio eradication. And it was really a wonderful, wonderful experience. But in all of the interviews I do, or virtually all of them, for the last two or three years, I've been asking all my guests on my show a question, which is, what is your superpower? And so I had an opportunity to ask Bill Gates what his superpower was. And it was fascinating, really, to listen to him, because he really did seem, he kind of hemmed and hawed a little bit like everyone does and you know, i'm not sure i have a superpower but wait but a minute, then I, what wait a minute i saw this one uh the flash asked bruce wayne what his superpower was 
I said, I'm rich. <laughs> that was a superpower. What, yeah. <clears throat> I'm rich. What did Bill Gates say? Yeah. So he, he, he kind of identified three uh, superpowers. Two, the first two are closely related, but it was optimism and patience. And he said at, at Microsoft, he learned that it takes, you know, sometimes five or six years to take a technology from concept to implementation. And he had the patience to invest in it through that process and to nurture it along. And he felt like that was really key. And he said at, at the Gates Foundation, a lot of the health work they do, uh, you know, takes eight or 10 years. He said that he pointed out that the from the time people started working on a an AIDS vaccine until we'll have one, he thinks it'll be 25 years. And he said that kind of patience, that that's kind of my superpower. And and then he said, and I guess uh, the resources that I am fortunate to have. I'm rich. That's how you for, translate that. I'm right, rich. Right. My, you know, the money I got it through Microsoft and the money that Warren Buffett has given me is a superpower. And, um, you know, as I've reflected on that, I... I'm glad he owned up to that because it would be sort of silly almost of him not to. But I, what I think people don't always appreciate, and I want to make clear, is that we all have that superpower. Uh, if we combine our heart and our passion with some giving, it is incredible the difference we can make in the world. So I just would append that to that story. Well, no, and that brings it full circle because that, I think, is what you're telling us is that while Bill Gates has been able to, to accumulate a vast amount of money into a single point that he's able to focus was a laser-type focus, the whole idea, I think, that what you're telling me about your excitement about crowdfunding and my passion for it is that – while Bill can do it as a single person, we all can achieve something similar as a collective group coming together, that we can find a focus, bring ourselves together, and as a crowd, fund initiatives, whether it might be a board game, but it also might be something for social change. And I think that's kind of what you're referring to here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's certainly one manifestation. And again, why I love crowdfunding, because... Uh, especially for a young nonprofit or a young passion, a young project. You know, if you go to a foundation and put in a grant application and you aren't even a 501c3 yet, you're not getting any money. Just not going to happen. Uh, foundations aren't the venture capitalists of the nonprofit world. The crowdfunding donors are. Right. Because you don't even need to be a 501c3 nonprofit to put a project on Kickstarter or Indiegogo or any nope. number of other platforms and just say, listen, I, I want to do this project. Will you help me do this? And it can be purely charitable. And people will give money without regard to whether or not it's you're a, tax, a 501c3 thing. And right. They don't care. They don't care. They just want to help you do the thing. And it. And nowhere else in the in the economy do you find that happening. And that's, you know, one of the many things I love about crowdfunding. Devin, thank you very much. I mean, we're out of time. And I can't believe it. I thank know. You. It goes it goes by fast. And thank you for coming on, sharing your passion, sharing your story about uh, Bill and about kind of his uh, his superpower. As we wrap up, uh, what's your superpower, Devin? I like to think my superpower is persistence. Um some people might call it just pure stupidity, but you know, with my 
podcast. Now I'm on episode 1145. Oh, I got a ways to go to catch up. <laughs> and you had, and you started first. I started a year or two after you did. But um, yeah, I uh, I am persistent. I, I would persistent. say long suffering. Does that work? Is that your superpower? Okay, long suffering. <laughs> I like that. It's better branding. Yes, long suffering. Devin, thanks for joining. If some if people would like to find out more information or be able to reach out and contact you, where should they go? Uh, devinthorpe.com is easy. That's D E V. Follow me. At, yeah. Hang on. D E V I N T H O R P E dot com. Devin yep. Thorpe. Yep. All right. Perfect. Or find you out on Twitter or LinkedIn or yep. Facebook. All right, Devin. Thanks again for joining me. Thank you. You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. My guest has been Devin Thorpe, uh, champion for good in crowdfunding and crowdfunding. Uh, for the common good. And we've heard some interesting stories about his interview with Bill Gates and about his passion about what can we can do with crowdfunding and the good that we can do in the world. Hopefully you found something inspiring. I know I have. And again, thank you for being a, a fan of the show, for listening and for sponsoring. Thanks for listening. Take care.